we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Good evening, folks. You're listening to the Hour of the Time. I'm William Cooper. Chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. Time, weather, and... Highways! Veteran of three foreign wars, entrepreneur, and warrior poet, Tony Arterburn takes on the issues facing our country, civilization, and planet. This is the Arterburn Radio Transmission. Era politics and precious metals, weapons grade truth, cutting edge counterculture. I used to say conservative radio, but what's left to conserve anymore, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Welcome to the Arterburn Radio Transmission. It is the 15th of August, 2022, and that is the anniversary of Richard Nixon taking us off the gold standard 51 years later. And we're all doing great. I know that the dollar's gain it's gaining. It's so strong. I get all these reports. The strong dollar is causing gold to really have to take a dive right now. And silver's silver's underwater. It's a very strong dollar. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the metals markets today with my friend Chris Graves. Uh, he's uh, here to ride shotgun with me. I know it's always easy radio if I have a top researcher, a top podcaster extraordinary gentleman scholar welcome to the show chris thank you it's always an honor mr arterburn well again uh, really appreciate you being here i i had promised i was going to make these monday shows possible 2 p.m mondays and fridays central time you can tune in live uh, here on rockfin uh, to see the arterburn radio transmission and uh, of course this also goes out on worldwide christian radio i want to say uh, thank you to all of those listeners uh, around the globe t- tuning in on shortwave the old uh, home station for william cooper and of course uh, beans the brave is here ladies and gentlemen i've got uh, i've got my my hound my ferocious hound matter of fact somebody brought their dog in about uh, 5 minutes after the shop opened i haven't had much time to do anything uh, which is fine um, i like being busy but Beans went after their dog, and uh, everybody who thinks Beans is really quiet and sweet, she never says anything. Yes, she does, and uh, she kicked the other dog out of the shop. There wasn't going to be any of that, but uh, I've got her here today. She's going to keep us safe while we uh, machine gun through the headlines with with Chris. And Chris and I were talking off air. There's just so much. I mean, you kind of got to pick any more, you know, what you have to be selective. I mean, there's just so you, you look at the headlines of drudge. I'll pull this up. I mean, not that I think drudge is a great site, but it kind of gives you like, it's the narrative setter now. Like it used to be a place for the right to go. At least that's the way I understood it. Um, it was kind of an alt uh, place, but you know, it's, I think it's been purchased. Something went down with it a couple of years ago, Yeah. Uh, but there, you know, the headlines are all about Donald Trump and is he going to do a plea bargain and his passports have been seized, apparently something he he put out in a tweet. And I think we've covered this enough for right now as far as uh, America Unplugged. I covered it on my show on on Friday. And uh, again, I think they're going to continue. I'm no fan of Trump, but everybody deserves due process. And they're just we're just past that in this country now. Um, That's the way it seems to me, Chris. I think that they're just going to use the powers of their office, which is very much like a banana republic. Uh, we're going to continue to, you know, see this. And when Republicans do take power, I don't think that we'll see that from them. That's not something we usually see from Republicans, like going after their enemies. But 
I don't know. Maybe something will change. Uh, maybe the maybe there will be a set of corruption from the Republicans. I hope not. I hope everyone deserves due process, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not a partisan, and I'm not a supporter of Donald Trump. And there's nothing he can really do to make me support him at this time. Um, I mean, I I don't think in, uh, short of him like finding Jesus and like really <laughs> repenting for what he did in 2020. Short of that, I'm I, I can't support him. But I do find it over the top. And I, you know, again, I do find that all this is, is criminality of the highest order. When you have the FBI weaponize the department of justice and, and going through his wife's clothes and <laughs> just sock drawer. Yeah. sock drawer is breaking his safe open and, and raiding it. I mean, this is just over the top and you have to wonder like, is this a psyop within a psyop? I've asked this before, uh, you know, he's in a much better position than he was even a couple of weeks ago. A big part of his base, it kind of started drifting towards DeSantis and some others and, uh, you know, for the 2024 nomination. I don't I think he's got it locked now. I mean, if if he's not arrested or even if he is, it, I mean, it might break the whole system, Chris. If, if they, yeah, if they actually arrest him. This was in my uh, I don't want to say professional, but semi professional opinion. I, this was a way to get his supporters to come back. And uh, as you can see, like with the Phoenix FBI office, I think it was, they had like a violent uh, protest in front of there, in front of the uh, headquarters there. Right. I think it was Phoenix. Wasn't it uh, Ohio? There was another guy got armed. Like- yeah, I, I ended up, uh, I got that. It was a guy who, he sent a message on TikTok about how he was going to uh, be the first MK Ultra whistleblower. <laughs> and then he had actually killed four people. And the FBI had him on their their most wanted page and everything. And I wasn't sure if it was real at first. Apparently, it was very real. And he was, like, saying goodbye to his nieces and nephews and everything. Of course, the video is now scrubbed. I don't think you can find it now. But I was sending it out to as many people to see if it was legitimate or not. But that was right around the time uh, that this was going on. So now it's like now we got this whole... uh, I think, like you said, it's a psyop within a psyop, and uh, I think they're just they're they want to do another January sixth type scenario, like with his supporters, like coming back, you know, and more divide and conquer uh, nonsense. That, that's just what I see, you know, and I don't know how you feel about all this, but um, I've been obviously broadcasting for years now, and I, this is unprecedented times, folk. I mean, everybody knows it. But it's I, something I covered Friday. It's like it's all happening at once. Yep. Like everything's happening. And you're in, if you don't have a background, like your researching background or something like me, I mean, it must be even us, we're trying to keep up with all of it and trying to make sense of the narrative and the psyop. And because there is such a thing, folks, I mean, they create narrative. The ruling elite love this stuff. And by the way, they have think tanks working around the clock. They've already war gamed out using AI and other scenarios. Like what happens if this chess piece is moved? And I'm talking about, you know, historical cycles of history, something David Knight talks about, you know, Strauss and Howe and the fourth turning, like this is something huge. You have to understand that history is cyclical and about 80, every 80 to a hundred years, it's something the, uh, the Romans called a saclerum. And about every 80 to 100 years, you have this major shift. So about, you know, every four generations, that's why it's called a fourth turning. And I, it's something I, I've studied, and I learned this from, from David Knight bringing up the, the, the concept of the fourth turning. But I've always thought of history the same kind of way. I just I never didn't read that book. But you look at, you know, 80 years ago, there was the uh, end of World War II and the Great Depression. It's massive shifts in, the, in culture and countries and, and wealth and everything else. 80 years before, before that was the American Civil War. 80 years before that, it was the uh, American Revolution. And you hear that in Lincoln's speech, you know, four score and seven years ago, you know, when he's at, at Gettysburg. This He's, he's talking about a, a past generation. So the elites know this, too. So the reason that I wanted to start doing two shows a week, and I used to do it every day, but I can't anymore. My schedule that won't allow. It's just to kind of cycle. It's not enough to do one hour. I have to do at least cycle through a couple of hours a week just to keep up with things uh, because it's, it's, you're talking about depopulation agendas coming out. Um, you know, the, the, the forced austerity, the forced bankruptcy of the West. Um, and it's every day we're seeing more financial news and we're right on the cusp. I can feel it. We're right on the cusp of something. And I can't quite 
articulate it, but you can see like we're at the, like it's reaching its end or whatever this is, the financial stability, the cultural stability. And it's almost like, you know, you see that movie, um, the dark Knight. I know you're familiar with, and he's got the Joker dangling out there and he says, you know, we're destined to do this forever. Right. And he says, he says, uh, yeah, all you needs a little push. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He goes, insanity, as you know. Yeah. He's it's <laughs> All insane. you need is a little push. push. You know, and I know that. So uh, I, I see that there's there's something in about to push this off. And maybe this Trump's so polarizing. And I try not to be part of that um, because I was, as you know, my story, I was a huge supporter early on. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, so. Of the crop of people that ran for Congress in 2013, 2014 in the 4th Congressional District of Texas, I was the first one to back him. And this is while he's running against, you know, Ted Cruz in the primary. So I was out front. I mean, they did a press release on it because, I, you know, I had a large social media following. I'd been on the radio. I came out and, and, and endorsed him. By the way, the other person that was in the race actually became his director of national intelligence later. He didn't support him until he was already the nominee. So I was out there early and writing articles. So I don't come from a place when I'm talking about Trump, I don't come from a place of Ben Shapiro or Mark Levin or any of these people that really didn't support him until after he was president. Like they were called the never Trumpers. Uh, and now it's funny, all the never Trumpers are Trumpers. And like me, I'm just like, well, I just watched 2020 happen. Does everybody has, was everybody in a coma and just now everyone see what I saw? <laughs> I just, yeah. I don't understand it. So I don't, I try not to use emotion when I analyze stuff like this, but this is big. I mean, they're going after him. Um, they may end up, I may be wrong about him not being arrested. They may just do it. They may just I, find I thought that they could have done that over the weekend, you know, cause that was, that would be one way of getting his supporters to get violent. Like a lot of articles are saying, but they, I feel like they went the other way, which is also going to, you know, bring his supporters back as well, you know, cause now they have something to fight. Like they have something to fight for. You know, they have someone to back again, you know, and all the other all the other horrible stuff he did, like throwing everyone under under the bus, luring people in, you know, all that is now forgotten, except for people like us, Tony. I know it's I feel like, you know, uh, this the United States of amnesia. I'm like, did everybody forget what happened? I, I'm still watching yeah. this, but it's funny. The cognitive dissonance It's like it's it's so Hillary bleached everyone's brains, you know. Like those emails. Something's definitely up. <laughs> but I think, you know, it might be like an Oklahoma City type situation where, you know, I remember back in the 90s between Ruby Ridge and Waco, you know, and before Oklahoma City, there was a massive amount of groundswell, grassroots meetings and people because I was part of this as a kid. My dad taking me to some of these things and, and learning about uh, the constitution and, and you, you, for lack of a better term, it's the militia movement, you know, people, yep. patriots and all that stuff Bill after Oklahoma city that was stained. It like, nobody oh, it was destroyed. It was, that destroyed. was by design too, Tony, you know, that. that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like yeah. if they, if they can make Trump a martyr and his, the people that would be most, you know, outspoken or have a rally, or maybe they just open one more door again, you know, kind of like a J six thing. Um, then you can silence your opposition and then it won't be a, you know, a, a giant GOP wave uh, in November. Just just some thoughts, just wargaming this out, folks. But well, I don't it was like that after Oklahoma City, you were on to something after Oklahoma City. The third party movement was dead for the longest time until Trump. And now Trump, I feel like, killed the, a legitimate third party movement as well. And I, like our friend, our mutual friend, Donald Jeffrey says, I think he's an actor, too. And not because of what Don said, just by watching like his his behavior. Yeah, it's funny. Behind uh, David Knight said today, he's like uh, Trump is a crisis actor. He's, well, a, he's yeah. a real crisis actor. I thought, wow, that's uh, that does sum him up. But there is, you know, it's funny. You can be for two things. Like you can be like, well, I don't care what happens to the guy. But on the other hand, due process. You know, we have to have rule of law in this country. Yeah, and. You know, this has never happened before. These are unprecedented times. Um, I don't know when the veneer is going to fall off. I don't know when. I mean, if you're not in understanding reality through the lens of conspiracy research, it's going to be a really hard time. 
moving forward because there's a lot of things and institutions and what you perceived as real, I think it will fall away and stuff that we've been talking about trying to point out. Look at that. If we have headaches, imagine what the layman, for lack of a better term, imagine how their their brains are feeling right now. I'm overwhelmed myself, and I get I get most of this stuff, and even I'm like, what is going on? Well, I'm glad I'm glad to have a I'm glad I have a comrade in arms there <laughs> with this because this is getting it's getting insane. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, let's what do you want to jump on first? Uh, let's let's talk do some foreign policy. This is summit.news. Uh, speaking of wars and rumors of wars, um, I can't say enough about how dangerous this is, but summit.news, Russia says it may sever U.S. relations if declared a terrorism sponsor. Now, you've already had people like Lindsey Graham and others calling for the assassination of Vladimir Putin, you know, and I can't recall going. This goes back to like Iraq, uh, the invasion of Iraq, Saddam Hussein, the, some of these same crazy people calling for. I don't even know if they called for the direct murder of Saddam Hussein. I don't remember that. I do remember that regime change and weapons of mass destruction. I remember all that. But I, I think this is the farthest we've ever gone. You know, you're talking about a country with 10,000 nuclear weapons and submarines and you know, they were first in space, you know, with Sputnik and all the rest. And you're you're just going to declare them a state sponsor of terrorism. <laughs> um, a Russian diplomat warned that if his country is declared a state sponsor of terrorism and could not only harm U.S. Russo relations, but potentially sever them completely. On Friday, Alexander Darchiev, director of the foreign Russian foreign ministry, uh, North American Department, told. The news, uh, TASS news agency, I would like to mention the legislative initiative currently being discussed in Congress to declare Russia a country sponsor of terrorism. If passed, it would mean that Washington would have to cross the point of no return with the most yeah. serious collateral damage to bilateral diplomatic relations up to their up to their lowering or even breaking them off. The U.S. side has been warned. And of course, it jumps right to Lady <laughs> Lindsey Graham. Don't kill us all. <laughs> uh, Senators Lindsey Graham and Richard Blumenthal, two wonderful human beings, have yeah. been leading an effort to pressure the Biden administration into making the terror designation, which would allow new categories of sanctions. You idiots. Look, think about this, Chris. All of the sanctions are hurting the American people. And see, yeah. they know it. They know it. They know it. They know it. This The sanctions on Russia are a sanction on us. This is to bankrupt. This is to just the forced austerity, the, the the transfer of wealth. This is what all about. It's just insane that we still, I, I, the, of course, the mainstream will never talk about this, but it's so obvious that, that Russia's been enriched. The ruble's doing great. They're, they're making new deals. you got the BRICS nations. They're going to form their own currency. I mean, and you got Lindsey Graham, old Lockheed Lady Lindsey. I'm mean, this guy. You talk about a seriously dangerous human being. I mean, what is what is up with South Carolina? I mean, I know that my look at my beloved Texas, and I I'll always be a Texan, but I don't live there anymore. But that's not much better. Um, but it's pretty bad. I mean, Lindsey Graham is just a, a warmongering, sh shifty goblin type creature, and he's he has his own investigate. Someone's investigating him right now too in Georgia, I believe, for something. In Georgia, he's being investigated. Was I it for the so. election? Is it? Um, it? And of course, Giuliani got caught up in that too. Well, Mister Nine Eleven, yeah, shocking. <laughs> yeah, and no, Mister Nine Eleven got to get all, got to get that stuff over to China. Yeah, <laughs> got to get all that, get all that steel, all those beams, yeah. and all that concrete. Yeah, him and Mister Carrick, don't yeah. wear your mask. Just make yeah. sure you don't wear your mask. We just got to get everybody to get that stuff out, out to China as fast Go as possible. Shopping, everybody. Everybody, yeah, remember George W. Bush? Get on down to Disney World. Economy's fine. Yeah. Now watch this drive. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll have to play that sometime. You know, You're like Rumsfeld. He'll be like, where'd you get that footage? Where, where's that from? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, on July 28th, the Senate passed a non-binding resolution calling on Secretary of State Anthony Blinken to designate the Russian Federation as a state sponsor of terrorism. At the time, Graham said, this is about a potential designation. 
it means that doing business with Russia would mean it doesn't gets pretty exceedingly hard. Oh, this is this guy, man. I mean, it's a nice lady, you know, he's a, it's not a very, they're going to kill. I remember something Lindsey Graham said in the, it was the 2015 primaries. He was running for, does anybody remember he actually ran for president? And I think it was like, he got whatever the margin of error is, <laughs> like whatever the thing. None like, of the above wins. None of the, yeah. He's like, I was on it. I was also on it. Yeah. Um, but he said that if we didn't get over to Syria, and I'm paraphrasing, um, but if we didn't get over there and get 200,000 troops in, that they were going to kill us all, Chris, um, the terrorists, right? I know I was scared. I was extremely scared of Lindsey Graham. The <laughs> uh, hunger strike continued. Oh, of course, this is a timely move, tweeted the Ukrainian foreign minister, Dumtro Kaluba. Russia has long deserved this status with its actions in Ukraine and beyond. Ukraine encourages other states and organizations to follow suit. Well, um, kind of in the eye of the beholder, isn't it, Chris? I mean, I don't even know what's going on with the Ukraine thing. The other day, the uh, the president of Ukraine and his wife, weren't they doing a photo shoot? I thought they were like, Vogue. I thought they were bombing stuff right now. Yeah, they, yeah, they did a whole photo shoot and... Uh, you know, they're going to be on the next Save by the Bell or something, you know? It's, it's kind of like you, you know, if you were to tell the 1940s era Germans, like, hey, we'll also be at war with Russia in the year 2022. Oh, yeah. Is your stuff completely bombed out? Are you, are you is it desolate? Is it completely in ruins? Like, oh, no, we're doing photo shoots and uh, <laughs> you're going over to sing. And here's all yeah. these celebrities showing up and our president wears a T-shirt. They'd be like, I don't understand. He plays the piano a in a very weird way. It's a it's a really bizarre thing like the um, and and here's something, you know, Jared Salente's talked about time and time again. And I've talked about it, too. No one's talking about peace. Nobody wants to end this thing. They yeah. want to see where it goes. They like it. Right. And this is the we're going to get to something here. Hey, maybe on the other side of the break, um, if we even have a break, uh, depends on depends on what Chris and I get into. But there's something about Henry Kissinger is. uh is talking about this and having one of those end of life, maybe moments where he looks back and go, what did I do? Yeah. What, what have I done? Um, I don't know. Am I a useless eater too? He's a, yeah. Soon to be not a useless eater anymore as he shuffles yeah. off this mortal coil. Eventually, you know, he's, a, he's of that age, but uh, we'll talk about, <laughs> we'll talk about Henry Kissinger. Like the Terminator. You can't kill him. Well, here's something. Let's before we get to that, we'll do that on the other side of the break, kind of in the same line of logic. Um, I'll come back from the break. Um, there's a little excerpt from the book, uh, "The War Lovers," and I was talking to Chris off air, and you guys need to hear this because this kind of fits with what Henry Kissinger's saying, and maybe some of these other globalists, maybe the maybe the globalist lizards will be uh, mournful of some of the things. I doubt it, though. Do sociopaths get consciences? Uh, it, lizards just like to. Uh... To kill and eat, I believe. Yeah, they don't uh, feel bad. Just shed, just shed their skin so often, and and uh, and consume and make things hotter. Uh, At least that's what Jurassic Park told me. Okay, well, I think I think they had some good information. This is something a link that Chris sent me as well. And uh, hey, you you've long wondered why it's just as I mean, it feels like this when you go to the grocery store. Yeah, it feels like uh, I could have just eaten out. And then you look at this is an article. This is the Wall Street Journal. Restaurant meals become a relative bargain as grocery store prices soar. July saw the biggest inflationary gap between grocery stores and restaurants since the 1970s. Restaurants are taking on grocery stores over value, contending that eating out can be a better deal than cooking at home. And you know what's funny is like I've said this a couple of three, four times, you know, over my life going, is it, is it, more expensive just to just to go to the grocery store or, or you know and you kind of have to weigh that in the balance and some deals are better but well, the, the idea art- is that if you if you cook your own meals at home not only is it supposed to be less expensive it's supposed to be more healthy in a way you know depending on what whatever you're buying but you know yeah it's, the article goes on to say they they have some recent data on their side Con- consumer prices at grocery stores and restaurants increased 13.1% and 7.6% respectively year over year in July, according to the Labor Department. 
the biggest inflationary gap between grocery stores and restaurants since the 1970s. So grocery stores, 13.1 restaurants, 7.6, but see, see, I, I think that may be just because restaurant inventory is just now catching up or maybe some of their suppliers were like, they had a lot of product that was stocked. So it's maybe just a lull and maybe it's a uh, temporary. Yeah. I blame COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's coat well the supply the ukraine or something i mean ukraine is the gas so i, I blame covid for the uh for that <laughs> i don't know what yeah i don't know what's going on nowadays <laughs> well just just know i mean you have to you can balance out whether eating out or not it's going to be the 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 price of your deal uh the unusual pricing dynamic has given ammunition to fast food chains and sit-down restaurants which are increasingly touting their prices and overall value well, you know, it's funny, all these things, I, I go back again and again, and we're going to talk a little bit in the second half of the show. I'll touch on it, and I have an article that I want Kinsey to give her research and analysis on because I've never actually picked up anything from this particular site, but I'm going to read a little bit so you guys understand I've been talking about uh, precious metals. Like the one thing that's not going up are precious metals, which is bizarre. But everything else is skyrocketing. Uh, Applebee's have recently made their case uh, to investors in presentations and earnings calling to think customers increasingly consider eating out to be a better value than cooking at home. We need to be delivering great food and great service and great pricing, even in a tough environment. Well, so restaurants are going after the, the bargain and looks like Wendy's. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Uh, that's not typically what you see, but I do agree that you're, you're seeing some of the menus and I saw something the other day at one of the fast food chains, like they had just scrubbed their entire price list. Like it was just gone. Like they, they don't have that same dollar value menu anymore because you know, like things like dollar tree and uh, dollar general, all these places, like they've had to increase prices too. So like everything has increased everything and everywhere except for the places that should have gone up. It's very odd times. Um, well, let's take a quick break. Again, you're listening to the Art of Burn Radio transmission. I appreciate everybody tuning in. But we're machine gunning through headlines with researcher Chris Graves, who has uh, uh, graciously agreed to um, ride shotgun with me on um, on Mondays as we give you a live broadcast, 2 p.m. Central Time, and uh, load this up to the podcast. Everywhere podcasts are found, you can find the Art of Burn Radio transmission, and that means you'll also get well, any articles that I read by themselves or Paratruther, uh, the Paratruther podcast, a lot of times you'll hear Chris Graves. And uh, if you haven't listened to our show on 1979, you should go listen to that. We have Black Helicopters Over America coming up. Uh, Chris and I will be discussing this week when we're going to do that show. And I've got an interview with Guard Goldsmith coming up. So you're not going to want to miss that. I mean, that guy, Guard Goldsmith says he learns things from my show. I'm like, How? <laughs> Howdy. Oh yeah, he's a smart, he's a, smart guy. He, he's been he has a history with uh, Hollywood too. Yes, he's a writer yep. for Star Trek and and uh, The Outer Limits and uh, super guy. He's been a fill in go, uh, guest for uh, for David Knight and uh, just like myself. And so that that alumni. Um, okay, we're gonna take a quick break again. Arterburn Radio Transmission in studio. Beans the Brave. We got Chris Graves. Uh, got a great rest of the show for you. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. In a time of fake news, fake politicians, and fake fiat currency, it's getting harder to find the genuine article. That's why when it comes to precious metals, I call the team I can trust. This is David Knight for my friends at Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. Proudly veteran-owned and operated, Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange is your home for gold and silver coins, bullion, jewelry, and more. Prices and inventory are updated daily, so you get the most competitive possible pricing. And when it's time to sell your gold and silver items, they pay top dollar. Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange also accepts and deals in Bitcoin. Call or text the owner, Tony Arterburn, today at 888-667-1836. That's 888-667-1836. Or just go to wisewolf.gold. From bullion to Bitcoin, Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. The future influences the present just as much as the past. 
Frederick Nietzsche. This is the Artiburn Radio Transmission. Casting in defiance of the Build Back Better, Biden BL's above Baphomet, Bilderberg, Bankster Bunch. It's the Arterburn Radio Transmission. Thanks for sticking around. We've got, uh, well, we, th- this is what I always do. I find unconventional ways to broadcast and tell, tell the story, right? To tell the narrative. This is the introduction page to a book called The War Lovers. Okay. This is kind of where, this is where my mind goes. I, I read this like 10 years ago. Uh, but I want to read this whole front page to transition into the article that I want to go to about Kissinger, okay? This is April 23rd, 1950, Beverly Hills, California. His hand shook with palsy and his body was wasting away. A few days shy of his 87th birthday, William Randolph Hearst had little more than a year to live. He had given up San Simeon, his castle in the California hills, and moved with two dozen servants to a three-story Spanish-style home in Beverly Hills, set amid eight acres of gardens and palm trees. Hearst still loved to buy things, and at night, he pored over catalogs of art objects and antiques. In between placing orders for Baroque statuary and uh, 50 Arabian horses, he would send cables to his editors in the Hearst Empire dictating what they should print. Hearst had never been the smooth, ruthless megalomaniac portrayed by Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. His charm was quirky, and he could be soft-hearted to his employees. His papers still had the power to stir people, though they were now seen as overly strident and obsessed with the communist threat. Lately, however, he had been stricken with feelings of remorse, even self-doubt, and he now ordered a cable sent to all Hearst editors. The chief instructs not, repeat not, to press the campaign against communism any further. He wishes the campaign held back for a while. Now, that's William Randolph Hearst. And if anybody knows anything about the beginning of American empire, it was William Randolph Hearst, the yellow journalism. You know, I think it was the painter Remington. He sent down to Cuba during the late 1890s to find the Spanish atrocities. We had to cook up some kind of, you know, we wanted to get involved and take Cuba. There needed to be a war kind of to kick that off. The old, the Spanish empire was dying. So uh, Remington went down to Cuba and uh, he said, I can't find any atrocities. Well, not, there's nothing to report here. And uh, William Randolph Hearst said, you provide the pictures and I'll provide the war. And the next thing you know, you have the main, right? Which in all evidence either a false flag or a complete accident, not an attack by the Spanish, you know, but it was to hell with Spain. Remember the main, and we went to war and that's where you get uh, the Philippines. That's where you get Guam. That's where you get Cuba. That's, that's the, the first taste of the bitter fruit of empire for the, for the uh, Americans. And, um, you know, if that, you look at, if you look at modern times, you know, that's why, sir, that's why people, some people, on our side, question thing, you know, certain events, whether they happened or not. For you just cited precedent. You provide the pictures and we will provide the narrative. Right. And well, I don't mean to cut point. you off, but that's that's huge. No, what you just said. And so the, I wanted to transition from that because it's a good piece of history to something that's happening right now before yeah. our eyes. You heard it here first, uh, folks, and this would be this would be unique to my radio show. Only I would do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a zero hedge and Caitlin Johnston. Uh, modern U.S. warmongering is scaring Henry Kissinger. And if you know anything about Henry Kissinger, folks, uh, 
He's a—it's uh, <laughs> a warmongering in chief. Uh, his his name is synonymous with warmongering. Um, Mr. Cambodia, <laughs> Cambodia, everything. I mean, just you know the South American overthrows. You 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 see Henry Kissinger involved with everything. He's the original New World Order guy. The original Poppy Bush. <laughs> yeah. In a new interview with the Wall Street Journal, immortal Hague fugitive <laughs> Henry Kissinger <laughs> says the U.S. is acting in a crazy and irrational way that has brought it to the edge of war with Russia and China. Mr. Kissinger sees today's world as verging on a dangerous disequilibrium. We are at the edge of war with Russia and China on issues we partly created without any concept of how this is going to end or what it's supposed to lead to. Could the U.S. manage the two adversaries by triangulating between them as during the Nixon years? He offers no simple prescription. You can't just now say we're going to split them off and turn them against each other. See, this goes back to something that during the uh, the rise of Nixon in 68, you know, he picks Henry Kissinger to be his national security advisor. And before the second term, he orders Henry to start back channel communiques with um, Cho Enlai, I believe, which was the uh, diplomatic head of, of the communist Chinese. Now, we had no ties to them. I think we went through Pakistan at the time. So we had these like, you know, middlemen taking channels of, of communiques. We wanted to open China. And the, the idea was and what he just referenced in here is called triangular diplomacy. And it was the, the idea was to take. You know, the, the, the of course, the Chinese and the Russians were having like border disputes and they were like firing on each other, by the way, in the late 1960s. So we were able to, to with that opening of China, this was the theory is that we would uh, more isolate the Soviet Union, which was the to us the, the big threat. And then, you know, China would become more of an our sphere of influence. Well, the Trilaterals Commission was born. And if you start to understand the timeline looking after that, it was obviously a plan to you know, restructure the world under a Chinese, you know, 21st century. Like we started to lose our manufacturing and our wealth and our politics became even more corrupt because we went off the gold standard, all that stuff that happened afterwards. But he's uh, he's looking at this and say, I don't even know what you're doing now, which is what a lot of us have been asking. Like, what are you doing? Like the, the deal with um, and by the way, I support small countries, um, you know, like Taiwan, but. We long ago ceded Taiwan. We talked about this on the 79 show. That was the first thing in the January 1st, 1979. Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, Carter put it in writing yep. that we no longer recognized it as a separate entity. There was a one China policy. They even called them secessionists, not in that document, but that's what basically what it came down to. You know, and when Trump was elected in 2016, he took a call from the Taiwanese president, and that was a big deal. You're not supposed to talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Nancy Pelosi goes and lands there. Which folks, that's huge, right? That's that's something something's afoot. And we're also dangling all this, you know, the threats in Russia, and we want to bring, you know, Ukraine into NATO, pouring more than Russia's budget of their entire military into Ukraine. Yeah. They're, so they're the globalists that run what is, I guess, the United States now? I don't know what is it. I mean, whatever the our country that we're supposed to have, the people that run it, it. There's no other way to look at it. They want simultaneous war, and now you you even have Henry Kissinger saying this, Chris. I know you reap what you sow, right, Mister Kissinger? <laughs> you know, yeah. If he's running for the hills, then uh, it probably is all over. <laughs> I just have to bring this up. I mean, Caitlin Johnston, I'm glad, I'm glad she noticed this. I didn't realize he was this alarmed by it. Um, but just looking at the, the history of Henry Kissinger, uh, you have to just wonder. I mean, because he was all, you know, he was all about like with the lockdowns and everything. And now uh, he's a, he's a rich new world that. order guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm just looking at, looking through this article. Henry Kissinger was supportive of the 2003 Iraq invasion. Yep. Well, yeah. He supported everything. Yeah. He supported all of it. Yep. He was part of. Uh, was he a part PNAC. of PNAC? It says yeah, the, right there. The, the PNAC plan envisions. Oh, wow. I believe it was the, he was part of PNAC as well, which is the project for a new American century. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know he was, had his fingers in that too. It doesn't surprise me, but yeah. And uh, that 
folks, for those who don't know, PNAC, the Project for New American Century, huge neocon think tank that in on September 2000 wrote that in order for Amer- this this plan that they had, this project for the New American Century, which called for uh, regime change and rogue state rollback, all this stuff, they were going to remake the Middle East. It was basically is, Israeli first with American military through the neocons. Um, that's basically what they were Trotskyites. They and, said that uh, it would be a very slow process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolute. Right. Right. There you go, sir. Now you say better than I could ever. Well, it was absence, a catastrophic and catalyzing event, such as a new Pearl Harbor. I believe that's Thank the you. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, Henry Kissinger. Well, there you go, folks, in case you weren't worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Henry Kissinger. And that's where that's where I'm, you know, I'm going to look at the Rockfin chat. I think even Kinsey was in there and she's like, time for a new war. Yeah. And this is, uh, let's go back and see her exact comment. It's time for a new variant. Time for war though. again. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Riley in the chat says it's demolition, man. It's the it's the great fast food wars. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the new the new place to eat is not the grocery store. It's the you know they all go to war over it. Uh, that's fun. Well, I love that. Appreciate everybody in the chat. Thanks for tuning in. Always always good to see everybody there. I see Jason Barker's in the chat, and I will. And Jason Barker, I will get back to you on that coin idea. Um, I'm, I made a couple of calls to see if we could get that done. We're thinking about doing a uh, a, a, a commemorative coin or something selective to, you know, either David Knight or what we do. It, it's not easy to get done. You have to do a, a, a high quantity, from what I understand. But we'll we'll check it out. Um. All right. Well, let's uh, we, we, we covered uh, the apocalypse and war. Let's see what else we can get to here. And uh, this is something I wanted um, Kinsey to check this out. And again, this is tied to natural news. It's something I've been saying for a while, folks. Uh, I And I can't read the whole article, but we'll definitely cover it um, on the Wise Wolf Golden Crypto show this week uh, with Kinsey. And we might do a special podcast. I don't know. I wanted her to see this. Chris sent this to me. But it is nearly 300 million ounces of physical silver have been drained from the market. Figured it was significant somehow. <laughs> um, precious metals industry expert Andy Schleckman warned that the silver market is being drained of its physical silver in- inventories with around 285 million ounces of silver disappearing in recent months. Schleckman made this claim during an appearance on the show Liberty and Finance. Recent evidence reported by many silver and other precious metal companies support this. In the New York Stock Exchange, physical inventories for SLV, the symbol for iShares Civil Trust, fell by 45.6 million ounces in just four weeks on July 26. The next day, reported inventories for sale fell for fell to 57.8. So this is a, again, there's a there's a sophisticated game going on. If you wonder why I talked in the beginning of the show, like you see all these prices going up everywhere, the price for crude, the price for food, the price for everything, the price for energy, the price for, I mean, even your subscription services or whatever you're doing, everybody's feeling inflation except one spot, the place where it should have gone up. And that's monetary metals. You have to ask yourself Hmm. why. And I'm kind of, I'm, it's a mixed bag for me because it keeps precious metals affordable for people. I'm actually kind of in a weird quasi way supporting what this what's happening. However, I do think that it it does hurt a lot of people because like right now you have people that have been saving for years. They've been stacking their metals. They need to either get out or buy a house or move or whatever. I had, a, you know, somebody bringing me silver today. They had like 500 ounces of 90 percent trying to put a down payment on a house and they just been waiting to try to, you know, um, turn this stuff in and they're going to lose money because they've held it so long, but it's still going down. How can it be doing this? And we've talked about this before with the, you know, the big banks uh, using the, the uh, exchange traded funds, the ETFs to manipulate the price. Like they just say there's more inventory or, or, you know, and again, while they're accumulating the physical, so while everybody, you know, the, the people are going out and putting SLV in their portfolio, which is nothing wrong with that, but the real thing is physical. And there's a huge gap between the physical price now, Chris, and the uh, price that you see on spot. Like these two things, I've never seen it like this. It's it's literally like $6 now between 
like a to walk out of my shop with a physical ounce of silver it's between five to six dollars that's for generic i mean don't even talk about american silver eagles you're talking about 35 bucks and the spot price is 20 dollars and some change so it's not this, this whole thing it points to me and i could be wrong but it looks like the elite are accumulating the the governments are accumulating gold they're, the the real numbers on what's available for physical are not what people think they are. And the prices don't reflect that because of this. And so it's a very weird thing. And Kinsey and I will cover more of this on Saturday. I had not heard this exact figure before. But again, nearly 300 million ounces of physical silver have been drained from the market. Wow. Not, we'll see where this takes us. Um, and I'm not predicting the rise of silver. Because I, I don't want to, again, we, silver should not be where it is. So I'll just leave it at that. Has it been like that that for a while? It's been like, for the, since the eighties. I mean, oh, oh, okay. So they, so the, the Hunt brothers drove up in the seventies, the Hunt brothers, at least the Hunt brothers, they were trying to get the silver price to go up. So they were telling people to buy physical silver and they were accumulating physical silver. Um, You know the Hunt brothers, and you know a thing or two about the Hunt brothers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're in cons- they're, they've been you know talked about in conspiracy lore as well. Uh, but they were telling people to get silver, and it drove the price to, to fifty dollars an ounce in nineteen eighty. Oh, yeah. Now in nineteen eighty dollars, it's like two hundred dollars today. So what happened since then? Well, you've just <laughs> seen this uh, again. There's less supply, more of the banks accumulating. There's something going on with that. But you did know, they did they start talking in nineteen seventy nine? Right. I think that was the big, well, that that's when I think they decided they were going to destroy the Hunt brothers because okay, the Hunt brothers yeah. got that, that one of them, one of the brothers got, uh, went bankrupt over that because they made a big margin call. They were borrowing money to buy the physical silver and then somebody pulled the rug out. So it's like, Ooh, the big banks don't want, and the governments. So I, I guess, am I being redundant? The big banks. The one in the same. Yeah. yeah. The big banks, yeah. they don't want any of these metals to compete with the fiat currency, uh, you know, world reserve fiat currency, which is the dollar. If you started seeing gold going to three and four and $5,000 an ounce, like this is what happened in the seventies. And Chris and I covered this too. You know, it's 1971, by the way, this is the anniversary of Nixon taking us off the gold standard today here, August 15th. And interrupting Bonanza. The interrupted Bonanza, exactly right. Interrupt, interrupted Bonanza, but it was $35 an ounce. Yeah. And then in 1970, by the end of the decade, in 1979, it was $600 an ounce. <laughs> now, does that mean gold went up? And that's all I ask people. Did gold just go up? Did it become more valuable? No. It revalued itself based off what it used to be. And that the, yeah. the dollar is what went down. So if you started seeing gold at 3000 4000 5000 more an ounce, the, the house of cards would come down. People would stop, they get out of dollars and they'd get into precious metals. But if you can keep them hobbled, then it makes them less attractive. You don't see these big rises. So I think every time they've seen these things come in, they step in. They stepped in in, in early of, uh, of 2021. And I watched this in real time. People bought every physical piece of silver they could. And the next day the price went down. That That's real life. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. So, I mean, people can do their own. I'm thinking on this, but uh, again, the show is sponsored by Wise Wolf Gold and Silver, in case you never heard, but uh, wisewolfgoldandsilver.com. <laughs> you can get in touch with me to uh, buy precious metals, to sell precious metals, and we ship nationwide. And chances are you're going to get to talk to Kenzie because um, she's helping me with my leads and emails. And uh, you can go through the websites, and and uh, she's been doing a great job. She's, I think this might be a hostile takeover. I'll wake up one day, I won't even own my business anymore. I think she'll just start running stuff. So. Um, Smart, smart lady. Okay, we got a couple more stories to hit. I I couldn't even get through all the headlines that Chris sent me, but uh, what did you want to cover? You want to cover that uh, technocracy.news deal? I I always like to remind people of what the elites really are. Okay, I've talked about this guy. That was the one that you picked out, actually. (laughs) The one that I usually would have picked out, but I, I forgot today. But, yeah, wow. This is uh. This is my wheelhouse of things that I want people to understand, and that is the World Economic Forum, the elite, the technocrats. Uh, they are depopulation, not just enthusiasts, but they worship it. Like their their religion 
is less people. Yeah. And uh, they want they, to be reincarnated usually as a virus. <laughs> well, yeah, I want to come back as a deadly virus, as Prince Philip would say. Um, this is uh, Harari, technocracy.news. We don't need the vast majority of the population. Yuval Noah Harari's futurist view is that humans are increasingly useless as automation, AI, and robots take over human functions. This is the driving view for depopulation to simply remove those useless eaters from the face of the <laughs> earth. Harari is a principal advisor to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. Well, you don't say. But Tony, why don't these people ever just take themselves out instead of wanting other people to be gone? That's what I, I never understand. It's so a, like, yeah, the world will be better off with less people, and I'm going to take myself out. They never they never propose that. It's usually everyone else. Well, it's the same reason um, the head of the ter a terrorist organization is never the suicide bomber. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> everyone else, go get, yeah, yeah. Or, or like the commander in chief's like, I want them dead or alive. Mission accomplished, you know. Um, and then he goes golfing. Yeah. Yeah. Watch this drive. That's why. <laughs> yeah. All right. This, this, the sociopaths. Uh, they don't have empathy. Oh, that's true. Reptiles. That's right. Yeah. Yuval Noah Harari, historian, futurist, and World Economic Forum advisor, said, we just don't need the vast majority of the population. In the early 21st century, given modern technologies, rendering human labor economically and militarily redundant. Harari's remarks were made in an interview with Chris Anderson, the head of TED, as in TED Talks, published on Tuesday. He assessed widespread contemporary disillusionment among common people, as he puts in quotations, as being rooted in a fear of being left behind in a future run by smart people. <laughs> yeah, so smart, this is your current reality. You mean like smartphones, smart TVs? Yeah. Such fears are justified, he added, giving his projection that emerging technologies will displace economic needs to many categories of existing work. Well, I just wanted to kind of go over his, his main comments in this, and I'll put the article up in the show notes as we wind down the show, because I wanted to get your opinion on one more thing. But any chance I, I can get, Chris, to talk to people about these are the elites. This is the World Economic Forum. It's the Great Reset. The Great Reset. The Great Reset. It's not politics. It's not party versus party. It's the world's elite, the financial elite. They want to depopulate. They want a new earth. They want all the stuff. They want you off the planet. It's Georgia Guidestones. That's what you need to be paying attention to. If you, if the people that or organizations that you are with support the World Economic Forum or if they are a member of it, they are already suspect and cannot be trusted, period. If they won't condemn the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset, they are suspect. They cannot be trusted. Just wanted to reiterate that because there's a ton of Republicans out there that think if we just win the red wave and a ton of those people are part of the World Economic Forum and or will not condemn it. So I just need to bring that up and I'll do that again and again until. It's so like the ones that want to that don't bring up editing the, the Fed, you know, auditing the Fed. Yeah. If you don't want to audit the Fed, then you're part of the problem. If you don't want to editing, yeah, auditing. Yeah, well, yeah. I like to edit it and push delete. That <laughs> right. It was delete the Fed. How about that? Yes. Uh, one more story and then we'll do spot prices. I just want to get Chris's take on this. Um, that's where, where is it? I pulled this up. It always happens to me. Oh, here we go. This is, um, <laughs> this is something I saw. I just want to ask you a quick opinion. This is with about with about four or five minutes to go. Uh, NASA says they're all systems go. Oh yeah, they're preparing to go back to the moon. Uh, Rick Labrode has worked at NASA for thirty seven years, but he says the American quest to return the moon is by far the crowning moment of his career. As you, if you look at the picture, he's wearing a mask inside the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This, this is more exciting than really anything I've ever been a part of. Well, okay, I, I can't go to the whole article, but Chris, okay. What about the original mission? <laughs> well, this is my thing. So I'm making a prediction. We will not no. go nope. because we never do. And we I won't go to Mars either. And nope. again, I'm an agnostic. I, I've met the Apollo 11 astronaut. Oh, not Apollo 11. Uh, I've met the last man who walked on the moon, Gene, Apollo 17, yep. um, uh, Gene Cernan, and uh, a couple others. And I've spent time. I, I I want to believe, like, I want to believe that, um, kind of like the X-Files. I, I want to believe, <laughs> yeah. but, but uh, what's it, you know, and Don Jeffries has brought this up. 
at a, you know, we're at 50 plus years. We're at 50 years. What, what is going on here? Well, how, how are we not on the, why, why how are we not on the moon? It just doesn't make any sense. They claim uh, that uh, they lost the technology. They lost it. I've seen and that. That's real. a real thing. I'm not making a joke that the spokesman came out about two years ago and said we lost the technology. Right. And I just, I wanted to bring this to the very last part of the show. Just uh, anyone he, out there, just read Wagging the Moon Doggy by the late, great David McGowan if you have questions about the moon. There's something weird with it. And I've read these same headlines for over 10 years now that I remember. Yeah. And I've always categorized, I've always cataloged them. I'm like, okay, yep. let's, we'll go four more. Cause maybe it was supposed to be 2024. Well, well w. Bush, Bush. w Bush uh, proposed that too, like right after 9 11, like 2003. He was like, we're going to go back to the moon by like 2020. Yeah. It was all, it's always pushed back, 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 back. Right. Yeah. They always do it. And it doesn't make any sense. We should have, if we're 50 years ahead, we should have all this technology, something. And I don't, I don't claim to know exactly what. I don't something, either. I think it's just a wrong. good, it's a way that another way to funnel money to, to black projects, in my opinion. Could be right. All right, let's do spot prices real quick, and then we're going to get out of here. Looking at the yellow metal as of right now, uh, 1,779 Luciferian Bankster notes per troy ounce for gold, 1,779 Federal Reserve fiat dollars uh, per troy ounce. Silver, $20.27 in one of the crimes of the century, $20, 27 cents. Uh, sorry, Kenzie, uh, no Lambo today. You're going to have to call and not lock it. You're going to have to not lock in that trade. She didn't make the windfall profit on the $20 and 27 cents. Wow. All right. <laughs> Folks, we appreciate you. Uh, always great. Uh, having Chris here, uh, beans, the brave gives her best. Uh, I want to say thanks to all the people on WWCR, all the people that follow the podcast. We'll be back. Uh, Friday for the Arterburn Radio Transmission member, 2 p.m. Central Time. Chris, you uh, got anything you want to say before we go? <coughs> I just want to say it's always an honor to be here with you, sir, and I can't wait till we do the next Paratruthers. Well, Paratruther is an awesome project. I'm, I'm glad to and proud to be a part of it and uh, happy that you are as well, my friend. Arterburn.news, wisewolfgoldandsilver.com, and preparewithart.com. You want to support the show by getting storable foods, water filtration, as I do. We'll see you very soon, ladies and gentlemen. Take care of each other. End. Life is a continuous confrontation with forks in the road. One is good, one is bad. And you could always wander completely off the road altogether and become lost, totally and completely lost. If you take the wrong fork at one of these junctions, there is always the opportunity at the next fork to get back on track. But it is a constant battle within ourselves. You see, I have studied this concept for many, many years, and I have to tell you that if there is a real devil like Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. I'm not telling you that there's no such thing as Satan or Lucifer. I'm telling you this. If there really is a devil, that devil exists in the hearts and minds of men and nowhere else. Nowhere else. For if you take man out of the equation, evil ceases to exist. And there is left only the laws of the universe and the balance of nature. Put man in the equation and before long evil will rear its ugly head and present itself to the world. The evil is within man and that is why it was called the fall. The devil never made anyone do it. If you do it, you did it yourself because you fell into temptation. For until man once again confronts the real nature of his own condition and of the world around him and accepts full responsibility for his actions without blaming anyone else or any devil, 
until then we will always be a puppet on the end of someone else's string. And ladies and gentlemen, when that someone pulls that string, we will dance.